evil is always prompted by Satan. It's always mm-hmm. there. Our response to evil is what helps us recognize we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anger. Mm-hmm. We don't have to live in frustration. And we need to practice skill sets that help us lower those things. Because once we hit those fear, frustration, anger levels, those are open doorways for Satan to come in and destroy relationships. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. Hello, and welcome to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash faithworks, or click the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. But thanks for joining us today. I'm Beck Ewing. I'm here once again with David Watson. Hey, David, how are you doing today? Hi, Rebecca. Doing great. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, spiritual warfare. You know, um, I think a lot of us, uh, especially from the West and when it comes to spiritual warfare, we're, we're kind of confused as to what it what it looks like specifically. We have some people that are very familiar with, with some theologies that have been and doctrines have been created about certain things and then some that aren't and a lot of in between, <laughs> And so sometimes there's a lot of confusion when it comes to uh, how this is going to specifically manifest as we seek the great connection and as we go out and obedience and press into the darkness. And so today, what we're going to be talking about with with David here is from his experience and our experience and looking at, uh, you know, seeking in the great commission, how specifically does spiritual warfare manifest itself that maybe we don't recognize a lot of times and how specifically we can deal with it. So, you know, David, what are some things that come to the surface with you? Well, let me start out by saying I've been in clandestine missions for more than 30 years. And that's probably one of the most stressful kinds of mission work where you're, you, you can't be overtly a Christian or you will be expelled from the country or imprisoned or even killed. Mm-hmm. And I've lived under all, all three of those kinds of situations. And I've been expelled from several countries. And that just the, the pressure that we live under sometimes gets misdiagnosed as spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. The interesting thing about spiritual for, uh, warfare is sometimes mental issues are easily confused with spiritual issues. Mm-hmm. And the same goes with, with uh, if you're frightened, sometimes you will say, well, I'm frightened. That's a spiritual warfare issue. The fright, is normal. What you do with the fright determines whether there's going to be spiritual warfare. If if you ignore it, think it's going to go away, then probably it's going to keep building in you. And, and Satan's going to step in where there's any doubts. He's going to step Mm -hmm. in. He's, he's going to start picking at it and pushing at it and prodding at it. Things are going to happen. Like one of my children got stoned one time by, by other kids in the community. Uh, Another time we had a child get kidnapped. And uh, these kind of things, these kind of things are incredibly intense pressure issues. 
Right. But when these these events keep happening on a on a regular pattern or sometimes even often but irregular, mm-hmm. you have to start asking the question, how does any one family or any one person have all these things happen to them? Right. Statistically, not very likely. <laughs> not very likely. Not very likely at all. And and those are those are the things you start paying attention to. It's uh, I've worked with teams. I've always had teams. I had teams live in the same building with me. I have teams live across the city from me. And there come times when you get tension in teams. Relational tensions are normal. But when you've chosen to work together and Mm -hmm. want to work together and want to see things go well, and it seems like every time something goes wrong relationally, Mm -hmm. it's a disagreement over methodology. It's a disagreement over communication. It's a misunderstanding of communication Mm -hmm. that was clearly written and you start going, wait a minute. And, and I sit down with teams a lot of times say, look guys, we, we're, we're all pushing against each other right now. Can we take a step back and just look at the frequency we're dealing with this stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. And all of a sudden you begin to realize you said, are you praying about this? Or are you just reacting? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the things you have to recognize is that these repetitive events are often when you start seeing, okay, this has moved out of the category of normal relational stress to a category, this is not normal. And if it's not normal, it's probably spiritual. So how you respond in those moments really can either inflame whatever Satan's trying to do or actually mitigate or dispel what he's trying to do in there. And I think even what you're describing here, it sometimes even can go beyond just prayer. It's it's knowing how to handle a situation. And that's the important point. When something goes wrong, you, you don't just stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You start you start talking about it. And so yeah. when you're embarrassed, you still talk about it. When you're frustrated, you still talk about it. And and you do it in a way that's loving and kind. You try to get the anger out of your voice or the fear or the shock or the depression or whatever it is. You try to get that out of the way so that the communication can start. Because most spiritual warfare is about stopping the communication. Mm-hmm. So that's if they can one, yeah. so when Satan can put you in the hospital for six months, he's stopping you. Right. I mean, if he can if he can give you a disease that keeps you isolated in your home for for months at a time, that's stopping. I mean, goodness, I, I don't know anybody's had more problems physically than I've had. I've had 27 major surgeries. Uh, I was diagnosed yesterday with Crohn's disease. I mean, this, I mean, it just just, on and Mm -hmm. on and on things are going on. I spent most of last year, uh, 43 days in a hospital and then six months in home healthcare. And my mental capacity just started coming back about three months ago Mm -hmm. and just now getting back to where I thought I was before I got sick. And now I'm getting diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. Well, this pattern of of short wellness and a different problem popping up mm-hmm. has been going on for years. Right. It's not something that that's that is normal in any history. I mean, the doctor, the doctor's looking at my history, he says, I've never seen anything like this. He says most people get sick and they, they're chronically sick in one area. He says you have had everything imaginable from from tropical diseases to wounds to people passing on diseases to you that are unusual. Yeah. And I said, you know, those are those. I mean, I've had dinghy fever. I've had other tropical diseases 
And all of those are kind of normal, except when you start seeing them interspersed and timing and all the things that go along and how often those events would knock me out of something important. Right. And we've learned just to put me on the phone and just talk to people through the phone when I can't go, because I I don't want what's happening to stop me from being there. Mm -hmm. And those are, those are the things we start looking at is it's, it's the things that are out of ordinary for everyone, not just, not just you, but this, this is not normal. People who love the Lord and love each other fussing and fighting all the time. That should not be a normal event. Mm. Acts of anger and frustration. When you act out in those ways and, and you, and you look at some, you get home, you go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably uh, a little prod that's coming toward you to, to get you to that level of emotion that it doesn't take much to trip you over into acting out your emotions. Now, I talk to our, our teams all the time. I say, look, guys, I said, God created us with a capacity for stress. Mm-hmm. And everybody's capacity is different. And and it, and the thing about stress, you do have a limit of how much you can endure. Mm-hmm. So let's say the limit is 10. That's, no one can go past 10. Once you go past 10, you start acting out and be an ugly person. Mm-hmm. That's So you, you will notice it. When you're screaming at your kids, you don't know why. That's because you've gone past 10. When you're <laughs> screaming at the driver who's driving kind of differently beside you, you've probably gone past 10. When When you're doing things that aren't normal for you, Mm-hmm. and saying and thinking things and maybe moving into using curse words and all kinds of things that are not normal for us. Those are indicators that you've hit your, hit your limit on stress. The question is what's causing the, the stress limit to be, to be maxed out. Right. Now, perhaps you, you got up and, and the, the alarm didn't go off on time. You didn't get your kids to school on time that morning. And it just seems like point after point are, are failing. That's probably just normal life. Yeah, right. But when you don't have that in your life, you're having a good hair day, things are going well, then all of a sudden you find yourself frustrated and angry. Mm -hmm. That's not normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes, I mean, it takes a car accident to bump you from a good day to a bad day. You know, it takes, it takes, you know, breaking a leg on your kid to take you from a good day to a bad day. But when you're just sitting there and nothing is going on and all of a sudden you're full of anger or fear or frustration and you start acting out unreasonably and you look at yourself when you back off and look at yourself, say, this is strange. This is not the way I behave. Mm -hmm. Then you start thinking, "Okay, I think I just moved into an area of spiritual warfare. Satan has prodded me. He's he's pushing all my buttons right now. The fear button, the the frustration button, they're all getting pushed at the same time and putting me to a place where I can't be in the presence of anyone lost or saved and mm-hmm. be a good person. Well, and the thing is, I hear two kind of shades for it that for uh, that you're saying there. One is, you know, there's not a lot of reason for it. You know, the where, you know, this is I, I just am experiencing whether it's anger or fear or depression. I just am feeling this weight on me and, I, and it just there's no discretion. But then there's other thing you were saying, which is you know, Satan is trying to specifically press all of your buttons. And so the stresses that are coming in your life are all kind of like specially packaged for you to make, to send you over the edge in stress and to act in ways that are not going to be helpful or to just quit, you know, and all together in those particular things. And so, you know, I, I love what you were saying earlier that 
that the, a lot of these weaknesses are opportunities for Satan to come and just inflame that. So it sounds like to me, there's both a preventative and then also a, like you said, a, a discerning way to, to address these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, another example of when we were living in Malaysia, we had a, a, a bungalow, a, you know, a single story house and we had a yard and, and our routine was we get up and our youngest one was, was about four years old then. And he would go outside and he'd play in the sandbox and we would cook breakfast. And then when he, when we had breakfast ready, we'd call him back in. Well, we're, we're got breakfast done. I look out the window to call Jonathan in and there's a King Cobra right behind him, mm. just watching his every move. Jan sees him and starts to run out there and I grabbed her and pulled her back. And I says, honey, we can't, we can't do anything. We'll go out there and disturb that snake. He's going to strike. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is sit here and wait mm. and be ready if he does get hit by that Cobra. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan never turned around and looked. He just sat there and played with his trucks in the sandbox and was just doing his thing. And finally, the snake just relaxed, went down, and slid off out of the yard into the creek behind our house. Praise God. <laughs> but what that did to us, it put us at our absolute max of stress for yeah. both of us. And <laughs> I had meetings lined up for the day, and I knew I knew that this was not a good day for me to be in anybody's meetings after that event. Mm. So I called up. I said, listen, we've had an event at our house. It's caused a tremendous amount of stress and I need to cancel meetings today. Mm. And Mm -hmm. we canceled the day's meetings. Jan did the same thing with her meetings because we knew that that level of stress you do not get over Mm -hmm. in, in minutes. It takes hours to get over that kind of stress level. Right, right, and it's the same when you're. We were in a coup one time, and and the gunfire and the and the rebels and all those were coming through the area where we were living, and and you know that's another time you don't you don't go out and visit friends after that event. You know, you, you mm-hmm. just you just gotta you gotta let yourself come back down to normal. And so again, what I'm saying is, evil is always prompted by Satan. It's always mm-hmm. there. Our response to evil is what helps us recognize we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anger. Mm -hmm. We don't have to live in frustration. And we need to practice skill sets that help us lower those things. Because once we hit those fear, frustration, anger levels, those are open doorways for Satan to come in and destroy relationships. So you talked right there specifically about knowing when to pull away if you've been hitting that you know, top wall of, of stress for like a few hours or a day or something like that. What are some other things that you've learned to help with either relationship turmoil or personal, you know, um, moments like that, that help? The first thing is when you're having is, if something is, is a ant problem, it's a small problem Mm -hmm. and you ignore it, particularly when you're in, in mission work and dealing with stressful situations all the time, it becomes an elephant problem. Mm. So the first thing you learn to do is not to avoid talking about small problems, thinking, ah, mm. it's just going to go away. Listen, small problems don't go away, and Satan will use those small problems and turn them into giant problems. Yeah. And I've seen entire ministries blown away because someone would say, would you please stop chomping your gum, gum in our meetings? It's driving me crazy. 
you know, just, just one little thing like that. And you just, and if you said it quietly, said, I, I need your help. But when you, when you chomp your gum in a meeting, it's distracting people. Can you help us not chew gum during a meeting? Mm-hmm. They go, well, I'm stressed out. That's the reason I chew gum. And I said, can you try just sucking on a piece of candy and not, and, and, you know, not, yeah. not chomping and blowing <laughs> bubbles, and those kind of things. And, and you, you talk about the little things you, you talk about, the guy who always butts into a meeting, you, you start managing the meeting and the things that are annoying people. And if you're a good meeting leader, a good team leader, you notice when people are getting annoyed by the behavior of one person or another. If you ignore that, it becomes a problem almost every time. Yeah. But if you but if you pull people to the side and say, listen, you're annoying people with this behavior, I just want you to be aware of it. They often shut it down and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's part of the reality is some people don't realize that every time you say something, they've got, they, they feel like they have to give you a debate on the other side of the issue. Yeah. And, and I'm stating facts. I don't, I'm not here to debate you. This is the way it is. And, and you know, the reality is, is we get so afraid of confronting anything that we let things go for way too long. And then they become really something you don't want to deal with because uh, we keep on thinking if we ignore it, it'll go away. And, and that's where, that's where Satan works. When we start, when people say, how are you doing? You say, I'm, I'm okay. And you're not okay. You just lied. Mm-hmm. And, and when a lie comes into a relationship, it has a life of its own. It has a way of poisoning other things because once you've lied, then you're going to have to perpetuate that lie or you're going to have to confess that lie. If you perpetuate the lie, it just gets worse. If you confess a lie, you feel like I'm going to lose friends. And the, the reality is say, look, man, I misspoke last time I was here. I, I really, I really not well. I lied to you that, that things were going okay in our family. And, and you just say it, mm-hmm. you just go ahead and say it. That's the reason one of the one another passages confess your sins one to another. Mm-hmm. That takes away Satan's opportunity to destroy teams or to families. Mm-hmm. If you're lying to your spouse, you're lying to your children, you're lying to your parents. Those kind of things are just open pathways for Satan to come in and destroy. So we say, confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. and then bear one another's burdens is on the other side of that same confession. You've confessed a burden. Now it's my responsibility as part of your family, as part of your team. How do we how do we make that not happen again? Exactly. I think that's so, so good that lies are so important, whether you're lying about how you're doing or whether it lying about what you're struggling with, or whether it's maybe why the something wasn't done in a certain way or on time or why you weren't there. You know, it's like covering up some some of those things of like, well, and it could be compounding, right? It could be, I didn't have a great, my family's having a hard time. I didn't come through on something. And so now I'm having to lie to cover up the fact that I didn't do because I don't want people to know I'm going through stuff. Well, I had that situation this morning. I, 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 I'm behind on email because of all the medical issues I've been dealing with for the past month. And I get to an important email that I hadn't seen. I'm like 20 days late on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting there, okay, I need to respond to this guy. And I just said up front, I'm sorry that I have, uh, have overlooked this email. When can we talk? And mm-hmm. just right there, take it to that, that level of discussion. I apologize. I don't make excuses about it. 
uh, because any reason you give sounds like an excuse. So don't make excuses. Just apologize for it and say, how do we move forward from here? Mm-hmm. And, and most people, that's what they need. Just, okay, I'm sorry. Let's move forward. Mm-hmm. And often when we start trying to fabricate some sort of reason for mm-hmm. why we didn't do something, we actually then are misleading people. We're misdirecting them. We're lying to them, doing all kinds of things. When a simple, I sorry, I'm sorry would have been enough. Mm-hmm. And part of maturing as a Christian is learning how to talk to people in ways that that lower the stress events, not increase the stress events. Mm-hmm. And we can confront without being ugly. The thing I practice is one, I correct in private, I praise in public. That's just mm-hmm. my philosophy with teams. Right. I never correct. Even if a team member is behaving bad, I'll just call a break. I said, I think we need to take a stand up break and, and I'll walk beside them. I said, can you join me outside for a minute? Mm-hmm. And I say, what you just said was hurtful or what you did or what you didn't do. You, I mean, you can go through the list, whatever's causing the team to, to react. You, you go to the person that that's causing the reaction first. And then when it, when the behavior changes, and the team changes, that's great. What happens sometimes the behavior changes, the team's still angry. Mm. At that point, we have to say, we have to start talking about why are we feeling this way? Why is this anger in the room? What frustration is? And sometimes we have to go into a group accountability session and work from there. But most of the time, that's not the way it is. Most of the time it's taken care of when you quietly address issues while they're out there. I mean, I've stopped major meetings in front of hundreds of people to take one person to the side, speak to them. Mm-hmm. And I had one conversation one time lasted almost two hours because the guy, I mean, he was, he was acting out a lot of issues in the meeting mm. and disrupting the meeting. And, and by the time I finished with him, everything had calmed down. He'd calmed down. The meeting was wondering what was going on. <laughs> Cause it was an expensive meeting. We had, we had, uh, I think about a hundred people mm. in a resort hotel, in oh. a resort hotel by Southeast Asian standards, not by us standards, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a resort that, and that we were paying for and, and lunch was coming and all that. So there were, there were a lot of things going on at the same time, but I knew this guy was a strong enough leader that if I didn't correct what was going on with him, the meeting would be off track for the rest of the week. Yeah, And this was the first day of the meeting. So yeah. I had to take the time and, and work with him right. again. Was spiritual warfare involved? Probably because this was an unusual behavior for this man. Yeah. It was totally unusual. That's the reason everybody was kind of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. This guy never acts like this. And, mm-hmm. and so once I pulled him out, talked to him about it, he started crying about it and, and we started praying about it. He, I mean, he confessed it, came back to the group and said, I'm sorry, folks. I just, I don't know where that came from, but it, it's not mm-hmm. me. And I think most of you know that I'm just sorry. And that was the proper way for him to deal with it. So come back and say to the group, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And then that lowered everybody else's stress level. And we went on for the week to have a great meeting. But I've also been in meetings where no amount of talking to a person was changing their behavior. Mm-hmm. I've had to send them home. Wow. There and, you, go. Uh, you know, when you start sending someone home and it's, you know, it's a thousand dollar air ticket to get home, 
Mm-hmm. And you're, you're sitting there going, okay, no, you got to go home. So we're not, we're not tolerating this and you're not backing away from it. You have to go home. And I think a lot of people are afraid of doing stuff like that. But the reality is, is we're not willing to hold, you know, to hold standard, to be able to, we, we have to think of what is best for the group and what is best for the mission. And we try to seek it to where that person can work well within it. But if they will not respect the time and the process of what everybody else is, we're doing, you know, instead of us being worried about being a bad guy to that one person, we got to think about everyone else that we are loving by, you know, maybe having to send somebody home like that. Well, there's another way to think about it too, Rebecca, is that our job as leaders is to limit the opportunities of Satan to disrupt. Exactly. Yeah. And so a disruption can be a relational anger problem. It can be an emotional moment. It can be excess stress. But the point is, is when, when people bring that into the meeting, especially a primary leader or a secondary leader that's, that's up high in the organization and they're misbehaving, if we don't deal with it, we've actually opened the doorway for all kinds of spiritual warfare to happen. Mm-hmm. And see, there, there's elements of spiritual warfare that we need to recognize. One is our prayer lives is one of the first elements because as we pray, we draw near to God. When we're near to God, he draws near to us. And when God's near to us, Nobody messes with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the interesting. In John John fourteen, uh, Jesus said, "If you obey my commands, my Father and I will make our home with you." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're living out the love language of obedience, not something that's imposed from outside. You got to do these things. That's legalism. Obedience is I love God so much I'm going to do what He asked me to do. Right. And that that love language then. God says, I'm going to draw close to you. Jesus said, the Father and I are going to come and make our home with you. Mm-hmm. When you when you live this way, the opportunity for spiritual warfare diminishes. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com.